Cool. Sounds good. Hey, everybody. Melissa Trebowasser here for Frogs Today, back with From the Other Sideline, a very special edition as we get ready for the 12-0, and 0, number three ranked TCU Horn Frogs to take on a top 10 team in Kansas State in order to preview this important matchup that not only has Big 12 title implications, but national and playoff implications as well. I'm joined by a very special guest, a senior writer for The Athletic, Max Olson, one of the foremost authorities in college football. Max, thanks so much for taking some time to to jump on with us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Melissa. Yeah, you bet. Um, so listen, I want to talk to you. This is the second time that, that TCU and Kansas State have played, but obviously so much more on the line and a very different Kansas State team coming in to face the Horn Frogs in Arlington, a team that has managed to work their way into the top 10 of the penultimate playoff rankings. What have you seen with the growth of the Wildcats since Will Howard has really kind of taken ownership of the quarterback position? Yeah, it's been really impressive. You know, I thought going into the season, I really like Kansas State as kind of that team that that could be the dark horse team to make it to the Big 12 title game. And I think that kind of became a popular sentiment in August. And then it, they weren't really the dark horse anymore. But, um, you know, I think that from just from talking to Chris Kleiman uh, and his coaching staff this summer, they really felt like this was the first year where they could really say, like, we can go compete for a Big 12 title. They weren't really, you know, in coming from North Dakota State, obviously they wanted to win the Big 12, but it's just a process of building the kind of team that you want and, you know, developing um, the players that you, you've you brought into the program early on, like guys like Deuce Vaughn, who were, you know, just freshmen and now they're juniors. And, and then your team's probably gonna be better when those guys are juniors and seniors. And so this is the first year they really felt like we've got a shot here. That was a big reason why they went out and got Adrian Martinez from Nebraska, because they felt like he was kind of that one maybe missing piece for them. Um, in addition to making the change with with Colin Klein taking over as OC, which has gone great. Um, and so, you know, early in the season, you have some of those moments like Oklahoma, uh, and obviously they lost to, to Tulane and had to rally from that. But you have the, the the moment against Oklahoma where Martinez plays one of the best games of his career. And you're like, OK, yeah, they're they're they, they're set. They've got the pieces. They're going to be a problem in this Big 12 race. And it's so funny how that TCU game really is, is a big turning point uh, for their season, um, because Adrian Martinez obviously goes into that game banged up or whatever and um, can't play very much. And Will Howard goes in and lights up TCU in the first half there. And, you know, really showed them that that he can he can do this. And it's not you know, they didn't bring in Adrian Martinez because they didn't think Will Howard could play there. I mean, they you know, he certain, certainly has had to start a lot of games over his first two years at Kansas State because of the injuries that Skylar Thompson dealt with. Um, but they felt like Martinez gave him something a little bit extra. And, and I think that uh, it's been really cool to see Will Howard stay there keep working, keep, keep improving. And then as you saw in November, um, really be the, the kind of that X factor that, that took them to another level. Obviously he didn't play in the game against Texas. Um, but I think ever since he got this job, um, I, I believe there, since he's become the full-time starter um, or in the games that he started, I think they're averaging 43 points a game now. Um, and, and I think it's been, um, I think that K-State's also number one in scoring defense down the big 12 too. So it's, it's so impressive the way that, you know, usually on paper, you look at a team in August and say, OK, this is what they're going to be. And but, you know, it's it's an, just like with TCU, it's it's kind of an evolution during the season. And uh, I think this K-State team comes in here, um, you know, clearly being number 10 in the playoff rankings as a three loss team tells you, you know, the amount of respect that the committee has for the Big 12 schedule and for what uh, K-State has accomplished. And I think it's going to be a, a great challenge. 
I mean, you, yeah, I think if you told everybody in August there'd be a purple team in, in Arlington, I think everybody would have said, oh, absolutely, K-State can For get sure. there. When you tell them it's going to be an all-purple Big 12 championship, people are still... I down. wish I'd placed a bet on an all-purple uh, Big 12 championship. Oh. I think we both would have made a lot of money if we'd done that back in August. There's there's a, a friend of mine on Twitter who who put some money down on TCU to win the Big 12 championship. And if that bet cashes Saturday... Is gonna what, be a- what did he get for that? I, I want to say it was like... It had to be good. Three hundred something to to one or three twenty. I mean, it, it's thirty to insane. one, something like that. Yeah, it's, it's got to be yeah. Insane, insane bet. Um, wow. so yeah, we're all we're all hoping because that that would uh pay for his uh his his playoff uh excursion. Yeah, I it would so, for sure. Um, you know, you, you there's a lot of different ways I could go to follow up here, but the the thing that you brought up that really stuck with me is is the the respect that the committee has for the Big Twelve schedule. Well, that's the first time I've heard anybody say that. Um, so I, I think that that we've seen from a TCU. <laughs> perspective um that the committee has is constantly looked for ways to kind of doubt the horn frogs um and not just the committee but fan bases of other programs you know at first it was tennessee's why is tcu's not better than tennessee and then now it's ohio state or potentially a two loss alabama that if tcu does not take care of business on saturday and finish that 13 and 0 run something that would be the first time that that has happened since 2009 mm-hmm. Is there enough respect for what the Horn Frogs have accomplished to this point? Does the committee now believe in the Big 12 enough to say, hey, TCU has proven itself, or do they need to prove themselves one more time? Yeah, it's it's so interesting. And I probably should note, Kansas State's athletic director, Gene Taylor, is on the playoff committee. So maybe that contributes a little bit to the respect for K-State or or hopefully for the Big 12. Um, you know, it's, it's so funny. Like, I feel like... If this were Oklahoma, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation. I think yeah. probably if it were Oklahoma Texas. Um, or te- potentially Texas, then then you would see that the dialogue would be all about, oh, three of these have already clinched. It's nothing, nothing. I mean, we're, we're, nobody's like sitting here talking about the possibility that Purdue could beat Michigan, right? We're just saying, okay, Michigan's in. They're good. They're, you know, they won their best games, all that. I, honestly, I like from covering the conference for, I think probably a decade now, like, I, and you, you know, too, like, Going nine and zero in the Big Twelve is really freaking hard. Yeah, and there's a reason why, like, it pretty much never happens. You know, like I think it is that accomplishment. Um, if you know, if you like, if you respect, like, I, I understand that um, the way that a resume gets assessed is is based on quality wins and the teams that you beat. Where were they ranked um, at the in the final playoff ranking and all that kind of stuff. Certainly, TCU has played a lot of teams that were ranked at the time of the game, which I, I think still think is important, but. I mean, you just look at this conference, like there's not, there's not a bad coach in the conference at this point. Like there's not, uh, there's not a poorly coached team out there, uh, especially with the way Kansas has turned things around. Like, I think that the the difficulty of the big 12 schedule, you hope that like, ultimately it, it commands enough respect. Um, and certainly it's going to depend on, on if, if TCU were to lose, uh, it's going to depend on the, on the margin a little bit. And, and, you know, I think if, if Utah were to beat USC, maybe this is not even that much of a conversation, right? Like maybe going into Saturday, TC is feeling pretty safe. I think that part's important as well. Um, but yeah, you, you really wonder like when things get really like when, when that debate is really hot on Saturday night, like will people be giving TCU enough respect or, or how will you compare them to Ohio state or Alabama or whatever? But I, I think that, I've I've been the person that like going into November, I was the person who was like, I think TC will go 11 and one. So like, what's the one loss going to be? And they just keep winning these games. So it's like, at some point I'm starting to believe that they are going to go 13 and 0. And as good as I, as, as K-State is, 
And, you know, I, I thought that I thought West Virginia could be a trap. I thought Texas Tech could be a trap. I certainly thought Texas could be the game where, you know, you're 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 a little bit worn out here. The fact they haven't had a bye week's catching up to you and stuff. And they they went out and beat Texas and they went out and finished the job. I thought Iowa State might keep it close. They Iowa State did not keep it close against TCU. I mean, I thought that none of us uh, were expecting to have any fun at that Iowa State game. And after the first drive, we were like, Oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I thought that's like a 21 to 17 stressful kind of game because Iowa State's defense has been so good. And the only team in the Big 12 that lit up Iowa State's defense this year was TCU. So every, every step without of the way, Walker, like without Quentin Johnston, with barely sure. Kendra Miller, it was it was completely <laughs> it's crazy. the most unexpected result of the weekend. And nobody seems to want to talk about it. It's For, absolutely. Absolutely. And, I, and, I, and I, I understand that if you just look at Iowa State's record, um, then sure. you'd say it doesn't matter. But no, I think that that certainly on that side of the ball, I thought they were going to give TC some problems. And so, yeah, I think the accomplishments really over November have been really impressive to me. And, and hopefully to the committee and hopefully it's not that, you know, that really chaotic situation on Saturday night where it's like, oh, they lost by 10. How bad is that? And all this kind of stuff, because I think the the accomplishments up to now, not to mention the fact you're doing it with a with a first year coach and staff, um, you know, it's just it's just so impressive. And I, do, I don't think that uh, it's like what no matter what they do, there's still people still kind of act like, well, they're just kind of they're just kind of getting by. And at that point, that's just not true anymore. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that because I, I think that that, you know, the PTSD for TCU fans that, yeah. that were around for 2014 right now of, of looking at the way things are lining up. Um, How are you going to feel if it's TCU or Ohio State on Saturday night? It's, and, and that, it's, yeah, not not great. Would people, do you think people would just be resigned like, yeah. it's happening again, there's nothing we can do, the sure. bigger brand, all that kind of stuff? A hundred percent, because it, I mean, if you look at you. You know, you mentioned that we kept expecting TCU to lose, and I think a lot of a lot of people from the around the program, not inside the program, obviously, but that cover the program, were kind of thinking the same thing. And it was almost like you wanted that monkey off your back at some point. Yep. Lose Austin in front of one hundred and seven thousand people in a close game, but, but a quality loss, right? But like you would take that. Loss. Yeah. yeah, and and then and then at least you don't have that pressure of having to go undefeated, and it's early enough. You can if you win the win out from there, it's fine. Maybe if you win off, you know, you you lose another heartbreaker in Waco. Maybe there's enough time to make up for it, but. But yeah, now you're looking at a situation where if TCU doesn't win out, they're probably very much looking at a scenario of Ohio State, who doesn't have that 13th data point, facing off with a 12 and one TCU who is going to get punished for going to the conference championship game. And and yeah, I mean, if, if TCU doesn't pull off the victory, I think every single person that has ever put on purple TCU purple in their life is going to be sitting there Saturday night, just, you know, wanting just to drinking, uh, just, just, just drinking. drinking. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I tweeted last night when it, when it was three and five for TCU and Ohio state, I, I tweeted out that I, you know, I'd, this would be like one of the happiest times for TCU fans, but we're going to, we're going to sit there and, and need a drink and want to crawl into a hole because this is, it's playing out. But all that being said, TCU and, and yet it's it's still like the most magical TCU season you could ever conceive of, right? Like you yeah. nobody expected this. Nobody and it's expected. like, but it's like Number once you get up to this level, people. then there's like this pressure and there's this stress yeah. that comes with it that kind of strips away the joy of what, what we're experiencing here. Yeah, I think for a long time it, it was kind of that scenario of you know TCU gets the three and zero, and you're thinking, oh, this was unexpected, and then they wall up Oklahoma, and you're thinking, well, this was really unexpected. Then you start to get but, excited. But at that point, we're just saying OU is really bad, right? It's not really yeah. about 
about how yeah, good it wasn't is TCU. The TC was good. OU right. was really bad. And, and now yeah. we see that OU maybe isn't quite as competent, incompetent as we thought that they were as they start getting adjusted to Brent Venable's sure. system. But yeah, but then it comes to the point we start to get greedy and you go from, man, like TCU could get to 10 wins. TCU could get to Arlington. TCU could win the Big 12. Oh, and now you want it. Now you want the playoffs. You want the redemption story. You want the 180 from 2014 and, and the chance to finish the job. And, and yeah, that kind of greedy is a great way to put it. It just, it's a different mentality. What I'm sure that Sonny Dykes and those guys, I, I haven't talked to anyone in their step. Like I, I was at the KU game. Like no one's telling me like, we're going to go win it all this year. They're just, they're just trying to get by week to week. You yeah. Know? And, and that, that segues perfectly into my next question. I mean, when you, when you look at what was being said after that game on Saturday, um, I was down on the field, just taking photos. There was no elation. There was no celebration. Like you could tell that, that the players were happy, but it, it was not the culmination of a season at 12 and 0. It was a, uh, okay next bo- be- box checked. Right. How yeah. hard is it? I mean, you've covered programs that have been in this position. You've seen this, you know, time and time again, not just in the big 12, but, but on a national scale, how hard is it for these 18 to 23 year old kids to keep that mindset? And what do you think Sonny Dykes has been able to do to keep the focus on literally the next week? Yeah, it, it's really amazing. And I think the way that the schedule set up this year, which you don't really hear people talk about as much, to 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 have their bye week as early as they did and then to have this run is like it's unbelievable because at some point clearly you need a break you need a week off you need time for people to get healthy you need Ask time Oklahoma to, State fans and the injuries that they've been through playing for sure conference for game. sure yeah. yeah it's 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 really brutal and you need time to get ready for those next opponents you need time to heal up you need time to come, you know, like imagine if they had like, you know, after after the Texas game, for example, like sometimes you just need time to like come down from one of those big wins and kind of reset a little bit. And so the, to have this kind of marathon run that TCU has had this season is so impressive. And it speaks to, um, you know, a head coach that um, th- th- first of all, this is like this is why you hire experienced head coaches. you right. Because I think that it is challenging for guys that don't have as much experience in this to kind of push all the right buttons. And Sonny Dykes. Certainly he hasn't been in this position before in his coaching career, but you've been in enough places um, at, at Louisiana tech and, and Cal and um, you know, at, at SMU to kind of understand the the pulse of a team and how to kind of manage it. And didn't think you'd be in this situation here in year one, but um, at the same time, like just to, to, to be able to like kind of guys, all right, chill. We're not as good or as bad as everyone says, you know, we just need to just keep stacking these and just keep getting a little bit better and really keep like keep having fun as a as a group and not make this about the pressure of uh, perfection. I think it speaks, you know, a, a lot to what Sonny Dykes has done this year. And, and he should be in these conversations, you know, for coach of the year, just on the on the basis of of pulling this off. And, you know, I think uh, from talking to uh, players and staffers too. I think Kaz Kazadi has made a huge difference too right away for this program. Um, I know when I talked to Sonny Dykes this summer, he he had kind of an expectation of what year one and going into year two kind of looked like in terms of 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 building um you know kind of where they needed to build in in the the strength and conditioning side um to kind of get this roster the the you know right uh, after the last few years. He, and he felt like Kazkazadi really accelerated that, and they were way ahead of schedule going into fall camp than they expected to be. And I think you see the 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 impact of that this season from a performance standpoint, and just being able to be consistent. So um, it's super impressive. Um, and again, like this is where this, some of the nuances of that kind of get lost in the larger uh, playoff conversation because people kind of want to just judge you by your best wins and your quarterback and stuff like that. But I think that the um, you know certainly the the run that this group is on. And to not, you know, to, to, to just keep 
in, in, when the games get tight or when you when you get behind to just keep um you know just keep swinging has, has been so impressive well and and what a perfect scenario for a first year head coach to have a team that's 12 and 0 and can still honestly say with no irony nobody believes in us like this is every yeah. dream right yeah that's um, right you brought up quarterbacks and as we're recording this on Wednesday morning, we still have not gotten the Heisman finalist announcement officially. I think most TCU folks would believe that Max Duggan will be included in that list. But when you talk about these great quarterbacks and you see a team like USC who has won a lot of games, but hadn't really been in this conversation until Caleb Williams had that performance against UCLA and then matched it, you know, in, in uh, against Notre Dame and, and looked like a Heisman candidate, potentially a Heisman winner, very likely a Heisman winner. Um, but never has have I seen in all of my years of following college football, a quarterback that is as beloved as Max Duggan universally, mm-hmm. that's put up the numbers that he has put up but his team is still not given the type of credit um, that that maybe other quarterbacks at, at not even bigger programs. If you look at you know Desmond Ritter, Grayson McCall, like those guys got a little bit more respect for their playing of the quarterback. Max gets all the respect in the world for the person that he is. But what can you say about him in comparison to C.J. Stroud and Caleb Williams and Stetson Bennett as far as his performance on the field? Yeah, I looked at this on on Saturday night um, and and argued in our our Saturday takeaways piece we do every week that um, I think Max Duggan absolutely belongs in that conversation and and should go to New York. Uh, and I think certainly this performance this weekend um, is the chance to really cement that. You know, the stats aren't better than Caleb Williams and C.J. Stroud, but they're on that level. I think I think so. And I think when you include passing and rushing obviously we know what max can bring in the, in the run game too um and, and caleb williams has, has run the ball really well this year obviously but um you know i think if you're just like sometimes it, it can get bogged into you know it, it can kind of boil down for people into you know highs and moments and stats and that's kind of as simple as it is and and what caleb williams has done is super impressive but you know certainly i think the season that max duggan has had the consistency that he's played with and the <sighs> Like for him to just completely kind of take his game to a whole another level here as a, as a senior uh, has been really fun to watch, and I think that that's a kid that is is because he's uh, got such a humble personality and and doesn't make it all about him, you know, and and like it, it's easy to maybe get overlooked a little bit um, and and maybe take for granted what he's doing, but this has been a really, you know, special team. I I talked to a staffer at Iowa state last night who was like, that's the best looking football team we've seen in years. Like since they came to the conference and they were raving about the receivers and just some of the, the the talent level, like this is a very talented team. I understand that like people can look at, um, you know, look at Georgia or Michigan or whatever and and say like TCU doesn't compare in recruiting rankings and stuff, but this is a really good looking team. Max Duggan has around him and he's done an awesome job of leading it. And, um, you know, managing all these situations we've talked about that this team has gone through. And I think that, um, you know, this game will go a long way towards like I I always kind of like I I think the Heisman process itself is a little bit frustrating. Like I wish people voted for a top five. I wish that they voted. I wish that they invited like as many players as possible to to New York. I think they only invited like three last year, which was which was baffling to me. So I think Max Duggan will finish in the top five. I, I think he will. Um, but, but certainly I think a game like this will help kind of cement, are you a guy that can finish in, in the top three or, or maybe at the top here and, and do you get invited to New York? I think this, this conference championship game is, is, uh, you know, going to really make the difference. 
you know, I, I think that that you talked about, you know, the the talent of this team. And and one thing that gets overlooked as you compare recruiting rankings and blue chip ratio is that TC returned 82% of their production on both the offense and defensive side of the ball. And mm-hmm. earlier you mentioned the development when you talked about Kansas State. Well, it's kind of peaking. You brought everybody back. You've got a very veteran group across every key position. You've got an experienced quarterback in his fourth year as, a, as mostly a starter. You've got a running back who has played on, you know, at some really important games and, and is got just the right amount of tread on his tire left to be veteran, but still fresh. Um, and then that receiving core, um, you know, with Quentin Johnston, who looks like he's going to be fully healthy for the big 12 championship game, which is a big deal. Um, Tay Barber, I think was held out mostly for old man reasons. Cause the dude's like 37 <laughs> um, and then Darius Davis getting back to, to full strength too. Um, it, it seems like potentially TC was peaking at the right time. Um, as you look at this matchup specifically, what are what are some of the things that that you're going to be paying attention to on the field? Where where does TC have an advantage or a disadvantage? Um, I know most people after the first game when Julius Brents was hurt, that Julius Brents Quentin Johnston matchup is, is going to be high on the list of probably NFL scouts as far as watching, but there's a lot of really intriguing matchups across the field. Certainly, you know, it was it was funny. I remember talking to someone at Kansas State after the TCU game who said They've never seen that many injuries in one game, basically, that K-State was working through. Not to make excuses, but they were just like, that was like bizarre how many of their guys were, were um, coming out of the game and, and dealing with something, including obviously some of their best players like Martinez and Vaughn and uh, and Adike Azoma. I, I, so I think K-State, um, it, I, I'm curious to see how much of a difference that makes. Can K-State come into the Southeast? I, I think certainly the chess match, uh, between Joe Gillespie and, and Colin Klein is going to be really interesting to watch. I, I've been impressed by uh, the the progress that TC has been able to make. And I, and you kind of figured with the transition that Gillespie was trying to pull off this year, that they were going to probably play better in November than they were in September, because, you know, it's, you're asking players to do something different than they were always used to under Gary Patterson. And you've got to fit, you know, kind of, figure out the the D line pieces that make that work. Certainly um, they've got great linebacker play this year and, and, and you trust the secondary, but I think that, um, you know, certainly that group and the way that they've endured in, in, in big 12 play and improved um, I think is impressive. And, and K-State, you know, as you saw when, when, in their ability to put up points pretty quickly, um, you know, they can hit you with a lot of different stuff. I mean, they've, they've got some solid playmakers on the outside, Deuce Vaughn, just one of the best players in the country, period, um, you know, regardless of of weight and size and all that. And I think that obviously in, in the games that K-State has lost this year, people have contained him. Um, but I, I think that Will Howard and the, and the power um, with with Sonat and some of the guys that they're able to do, you know, they're able to move move pieces around and and be a really physical football team when they want to as well. Um, I think it presents some really interesting challenges for this this TCU defense again. You, you saw certainly in the second half of that game how they handled that and, uh, you know, were able to get takeaways and able to, um, you know, force K-State to, to change quarterbacks and all that. So I think you, you saw them figure it out and respond in the second half of that last matchup. But um, I think that part's really important. And uh, and I, I think that pro- maybe that side of the game um, is is going to decide things a little bit more. We we know how great the TCU offense versus the K State defense is going to be, and and certainly as you said, um, if you can have all of those really important players healthy, um, then it's going to be it's going to be a heck of a battle. But I'm curious to see how um, Gillespie handles the other side of that matchup. 
Yeah, you know, I think that that one of the encouraging things from a TCU side is is watching the game plan that uh, Joe Gillespie had for Bijan Robinson. Um, obviously, you know, him and Deuce Vaughn are different players, but they're also similar players in, in what the dynamic things that they bring to a to an offense. Um, and the linebackers really stepped up. I, I think that linebackers in space against very shifty, quick running backs for TCU has been a big issue this year. Baylor took great advantage of that on their opening couple of drives a couple weeks ago. But but what they showed that they can and, and there's going to be some of that. I think what some of the stuff that Baylor was able to do, and and certainly they as they talked about afterwards and they mess with your keys, they move guys around. They they love misdirection and stuff. K-State will definitely try to do some of that for sure. Yeah. And, and I think that's where there's a big advantage. And then also, you know, the TCU offensive line has, has struggled at times. And mm-hmm. you mentioned uh, Felix Anaduke Zoma. I think mm-hmm. I got that close. Um, and, and the rest of that defensive front for Kansas state has been so good and so dynamic. Um, Max has been exceptional under pressure for the most part. Um, but it's, it's going to be a tough day for him if, if he's, you know, kind of having to not be able to get through his reads, not be able to do some of the longer uh, routes and the different things that have made TCU so effective when Quentin Johnson is on the field. Yeah. You, you think back to the Texas game and, and, and as those TFLs were piling up early, early in that game, you're like, man, it's just going to be hard to move the ball. And so that's, yeah, that how, how the TCU O-line responds to the pressure that uh, Anna DK Zuma, who's, who's one of the best pass rushers in the big 12 in the country. Um, he, in that front um, that that's going to be a, a big challenge in terms of managing the timing and, and of the offense and, and staying on schedule. One other thing too that I that I noticed against Iowa State, who doesn't, I mean, they have great defensive linemen. They don't get a ton of sacks, but the difference in not having to keep a tight end in to help chip and being able to use those tight ends in the passing game. I mean, that's what really opened up the game for TCU against the uh, Cyclones. And so I think that that's yeah, going to be point. another issue. Can you use Dracarius Spivey and Jared Wiley in the passing game, or are they going to have to stay in to max protect? And if that becomes the issue, it takes away one of the dynamic elements. Of course, you get QJ back, so, so maybe that balances. Um, you know, you mentioned Deuce Vaughn and, and anybody that loves college football, you know, you have to love watching that guy play. He's another yeah. great story. He's a, just an incredible dynamic player, just both running the ball and, and coming out of the backfield. Um, TCU fans have nightmares about him on the wheel route because he's burned TCU in every game that he's played <laughs> against them doing that. Um, but, you know, that brings me to the, to the other side. You know, Bijan Robinson, Deuce Vaughn, they get they get so much attention and rightfully so. Just two of the, the best running backs to, to come out of the Big 12 in a, in a conference full of them. But Kendra Miller's pretty good too. And it feels like despite the fact he's now got, I think, a 13 straight games of scoring a touchdown that he's closing in on, on some of Ladanian Tomlinson's records, doesn't seem to get kind of that national attention. What do you think that that Kendra Miller brings to this offense and maybe his his professional prospects? Because not a lot of people are talking about him as potentially an early round draftee as well. Yeah, it's so funny. Um, you you might not remember this. It's it's been exactly like a year ago when everyone was freaking out about Zach Evans leaving, right? And that's the end of the world that Zach Evans is leaving. And he had a good year at Ole Miss. Um, certainly he got the the, the freshman Quinshawn uh, Judkins kind of outshined him there. But um, yeah, you would think that like, oh no, Zach Evans is gone. We're we're screwed, and that's just not been the case. And and obviously, I think you you think back to last season, and it, yeah, it was a tough season. But but certainly the fact that Zach Evans was was hurt really opened the door for Kendra Miller to do some really good things. And I, I was really encouraged by what I saw from him last season and, and, and felt like they've got, they've got a pretty good player to build that run game around. Um, he's taken it to another level with this, with this group. I think Garrett Riley's done an awesome job of, of scheming things up for him. Um, and he's just kind of the full package. He's, he's a really talented back. You, you, you certainly saw like in the Texas game there, that there's that ability for the, you know, the explosive run um, down the sideline, when, when he gets a little bit of space and, and he can, he can really get going the, the speed when he's been able to hit big stuff has been really impressive, but really physical, really a guy that you really count on. Um, if you're in a short yardage situation, 
Um, I just, he's just a really talented back. And, and I, I, from talking to the staff this summer, I knew they really liked him and I'm not surprised that, um, you know, that he would, he would really make a lot of sense in their offense, but he's, he's been an all big 12 player for sure. And, um, you know, a guy that I think is, uh, is going to be a handful for Kansas state. You would have thought that Amari DiMarcato and Kendra Miller would be a better one-two punch than Zach Evans and Kendra Miller coming into this. <laughs> and Amari DiMarcato probably deserves a lot more uh, love and attention that he gets sure. as well. He's been really solid. Um, before we get into kind of your final thoughts on this matchup, I want to ask you kind of big picture stuff. Um, you know, Garrett, Garrett Riley is a finalist for the Broyles Award. Uh, Joe Gillespie, I think, is getting a lot of respect on the defensive side of the ball. Um, both of those guys at Tulsa just opened up. Both of those guys mm-hmm. are probably going going to be on short list for head coaching jobs um, if not this year in the near future are you hearing any buzz about either of those guys for some of these open positions Cincinnati's open now as well or, or do you think that TCU is going to have an opportunity and Sonny Dykes to keep his staff together past this run and, and it's making the playoffs maybe the key in doing so yeah it's it's really interesting it reminds me a little bit um, of the situation last year at Oklahoma State where Jim Knowles really um, had an unbelievable year and was a Broyles finalist and and you I remember talking with their AD Chad Weiberg after the Big 12 title game and saying, you know, we're going to do everything we can to keep him. And then Ohio State comes in and hires him the next day and makes him, you know, the highest paid assistant in Ohio State history and all that. Um, it's it's It can be challenging when, like, you take Garrett Riley, like, what if Alabama calls? What if Texas A&M calls? What if all these, you know, these schools that these really high profile um, OC openings potentially, uh, you would have to give him a call just based on what he's done this year. And uh, so I, I'm sure Garrett Riley's going to get, get a lot of calls. And this is one of those situations where, I think you, if you're Sonny Dykes and and um, Jeremiah Dinati, obviously you're you're going to try and do everything you can um, to take care of the staff and hold them together. And I think this is when you have the momentum of a season like this. Um, and I'm, I'm I can't imagine what the season like this does for fundraising and for what they've been able to do this you know these past few months here in terms of getting boosters and everybody on on you know behind you and and with you. Like this is kind of a that's kind of a big. Obviously, there's great opportunities out there for a guy like Gary Riley or for for Joe Gillespie, and this would be you know to be able to hold on to those kind of guys and and pay them what it would probably take to keep um to keep the keep the great coaches on your staff. Um, it, it's it's probably going to be a challenge and something that will tell you a lot about you know kind of can TCU capitalize on a season like this and you know take care of these people. That that that's one of the burdens of being this successful is people look at your staff and say. How do we get some of that on our staff? And so, um, you know, I, I think I, I, I the, the thing you know is that these guys love working for Sonny Dykes. I mean, there's there's no doubt about that. And so, I, I'm sure that nobody wants to leave. But yeah, I imagine when you're this successful, you're gonna get a lot of calls, and um, you hope that TCU and and, and Donati can, uh, you know, put put the money in the office together to keep them. Oh, with no real insider information, I'm of the belief that this contract renegotiation that's happening between Donati and Sonny Dykes is less about Sonny Dykes getting a raise and more about making sure that there is an assistant pool that yeah. can keep those guys around. And yep. you know, I think you talk about, you know, loving working for Sonny Dykes. Um, he seems to be very family focused. There's lots of kids around the offices. He he lets his coaches have lives. Um, and with it's obvious now, I think to this point, to what follows college football, TCU certainly has the resources to compete at this level. Um, and so you have to wonder that quality of life of do you want to deal with the pressure cooker of Fort Worth versus the pressure cooker of College Station or Austin? Maybe maybe a lateral move at this point isn't, you know, that enticing if you can make the money match. Sure, sure. And, and, and as you said, yeah, I think a lot of times, um, you know, especially the the coaches like Sonny Dykes, when, when you're in these situations where you have this kind of leverage, a lot of times it is about taking care of your people. It's it's not about um, I, I, to Sonny Dykes. I can't imagine it's important to him that he is paid 
you know, Nick Saban money or Davos Swinney money or anything like that. I think it's about taking care of the people continuing to invest in this football program and really seizing on this opportunity uh, that TCU has really, when you think about the next five years here of, can we be the premier program in the big 12? Like I think an off season like this um, is really important in terms of uh, the investment in, into football and, and taking a run like this and really building on it. Yeah, I think so. Um, one other co- coaching question tangentially related to to what's going on. Uh, Gary Patterson, a little smoke around the UN, UNLV opening. Have you heard anything about that? What do you think the odds are that he is a head coach at a football program again next season? So you've heard that too. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I, I think it's interesting. Um, certainly Gary Patterson's name came up uh, in connection to the Nebraska job. I'm sure that was a job that uh, that he probably coveted um, in terms of his connections in the Midwest and stuff. I, I, I think it's he's in a really interesting position now uh, in his career. I, I'm sure that it was refreshing to um, have have a, a, a little bit of a lighter role here at, at Texas and helping out with the defense and, and everything like that. And I, I'm sure it, I'm sure if you're Gary Patterson, you want to go out and, uh, and and go prove yourself all over again. And you know, it, so but but when you look at the landscape here what's the right kind of move, right? Like, is it going to a place like UNLV and, and saying, I'm going to go out here and, and try to dominate the the mountain West. Like I, I certainly wouldn't for. doubt that. Right. He's done it before, right. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past him to be successful in one of those kind of jobs. Or do you want to be, you know, this really high paid DC somewhere? I, I think the next step for Gary Patterson's career is, is going to be very interesting, but uh, I, I have no doubt that after a year like this and, uh, and probably look, probably the success of TC probably motivates you a little bit to get out there and, uh, uh, prove, prove what you can do all over again. For sure. All right. So before we let you go, final thoughts on Saturday's matchup. Uh, do you, do you have a good feeling one way or the other about who's going to win and what do you think is going to be kind of the number one key to, to who comes out on top against Kansas state and TCU? I think at this point, I'm going to still say, I think TCU wins. I think you will be very stressed out. Probably. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's going to be a stressful close game. Nothing's going to be in focus. It's fine. I'm okay with that. I mean, you think about, okay, so last year, so the standard last year is that the a team lost by an inch, right? So like, I don't, I, I, I'm not saying it's going to be exactly that close, uh, but I do think it's going to be a four quarter game. I really do. And I think that um, I, I could see TCU really rising to the, to this moment and, and putting together one of their best performances um, it, it is hard to beat a team twice. I think K-State has improved, um, and, and gotten healthy. And, and, and I think they're a little bit different team than when, when these teams played, um, how many weeks ago was that? Is that about, about a month ago or about six weeks ago? I think, yeah. Six weeks ago. Yeah. yeah October. I, I think K-State's gotten better since then. Um, I think they're going to present some real challenges. Um, but I think, I think TCU is ready for this. I think the experience of the quarterback position, uh, gives, gives TCU an advantage, in this game, uh, although I guess, hey, I mean, I suppose Adrian Martinez could pop into this game and make some plays. We can't can't rule it out. I guess either team feels pretty good if the backup has to go in, right? Uh, yeah, you yeah, can't I say that very often. Experienced, uh, experienced guys behind. Well, you know, and, and you think about last year's Big Twelve title game, and, and obviously the big difference was Jalen Warren couldn't play that game, and Oklahoma State didn't have a run game and couldn't be their best self. And I think both of these teams kind of come in. I, there's not that one big question mark of, of is a guy ready to go, and there's also these teams are both pretty balanced enough that like, I mean, certainly like if you take Deuce Vaughn out of this game, case it's going to have a harder time moving the ball and stuff, but like these are teams that can, that, that are not one dimensional necessarily. And so I think that um, I think it's going to be a fascinating game and uh, one where TCU can really go out and you would think earn that respect from people. Right. But maybe you just can't assume that anymore and just say, Hey, 
all we can do is is just keep the zero in the loss column and and then they have no choice but to put us in. I think TCU will get it done. Um and I think is, you know, I I think TCU will make the playoff and I and I I'm with you and hoping that we're not uh you know sweating this thing out on Saturday night. Yeah, you and me both, my friend. You and me both. Uh where can people find your work, Max? Uh theathletic.com. Tons of uh, tons of coverage of everything that's going on right now. Lots to keep up with in college football. Um, but but uh, ho- hopefully, if, if people haven't checked out the athletic and our college football coverage and World Cup and everything else, I, I hope you do. And then uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Max underscore Olson. Yeah, and I think the athletic obviously is some of the best sports writing, if not the best sports writing that you can find nationally. And you know what? When TCU's good. There's lots of TCU content. I know it's always the complaint. Everybody forgets about us, but when you're, you know, five and seven, nobody cares. Now you can find all kinds of great stuff from you, from Sam. We've been in a lot of TCU games this year. That is true. We've been all over it. We've been all over it. So thank you so much for joining us, Max. Really appreciate your, your time and your insight. Yeah. Thanks, Melissa.